Hey, how you doing? This is Sharita C.W. Dela Cruz, and this is the Figures of Speech Talkcast, powered by Blast Music 24-7, Esoterica Entertainment, and you. Today, we are talking with Andy Berger, the founder of Voices Against Trafficking. Could you bring her on? Hey, how you doing, Andy? Hey, Sharita, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on today. I'm really honored to be here with you. Wonderful. We're honored to have you with us today. Um, we appreciate you coming on and sharing uh, the information and the content about Voices Against Trafficking and your story. Um, could you tell us a little bit about you? Where are you from? Absolutely. Uh, my original home was Inglewood, California, home of the original Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Clutch, Jerry West. Uh, That's right. But uh, I'm, I've been in Oregon, Central Oregon, for 28 years now. So this is my home. It was really the first safe home God brought me to, but now it's completely mm. Understood. Um, delving right into... Um, you said safe home. Could you give us a little bit of insight into what you mean by that? Sure. Uh, I did not grow up in a safe home. In the early 60s, um, there was no talk of child abuse or, or trafficking or any of those terms because people kind of kept that stuff secret. They swept it under mm -hmm. the rug. They ignored it. You know, families didn't talk about that special uncle or whoever. And so in that those days, I didn't have any place to run to. So from mm -hmm. six months old, to 17 years old, I was actually trafficked by all immediate family members and some extended family members. Mm -hmm. And uh, my birth mother was the primary predator. And so wow. she was, as I call, the orchestrator of all evil in that family. So my there was nothing safe. God bless you. Well, thank you. He certainly has. And I'll tell you that uh, when God wants to speak to a heart, it doesn't matter how young or how old that heart is. I was five years old the first time I tried to take my life and mm -hmm. the abuse and the torture and that just everything was so, so horrific. And my birth mother was just basically waiting for a chance to pounce or to kill me or my my birth brother. So uh, at that time, I thought, you know, I, I'd rather be dead because at least I would be at peace. Nobody can touch you if you're six feet under. And I was just a kid. I didn't have anyone to talk to. And there were, were no family members that were involved because that's what abusers and predators do. They isolate you. They alienate you from anyone because that's how they control you. So when yes. I went out to the curb on my house, um, I was just waiting for a car to be coming by so I could run in front of it and and die. That's how desperate mm. I was. But in my life, God had a different plan. And as I looked up into that huge sky, it was so blue that day. I remember that. Uh, I wanted so much to believe that there was something greater, but I really didn't have any hope. And yet when I looked up there, I thought, I wonder how big this is and could somebody have made it? And would they be bigger than the people that are hurting me? And mm. amazingly, no cars were going by at that time. It was a very busy street normally, but not one car was coming down that road yet. And in that moment, Sharita, I felt and I heard this voice in my heart that said, this is not the plan I have for you. Suicide is not the answer. 
And I don't know how I would have known that word because at five, that wouldn't have been a word in my vocabulary, but I knew like the voice was something powerful and I listened and I believed it, which is really amazing that I would trust something I hadn't seen, but mm. I did. And I went up to the garage and I leaned against it. And I basically just said, if you keep me alive, whoever you are, um, I'll do whatever you call me to do. And those were the words, I'll do whatever you call me to do. Now, it, it wasn't easy. There was a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. Uh, there were a couple more attempts to end my life. And uh, my brother tried to smother me to death. And the last time my birth mother tried to kill me, I was 17 years old. So it was a very long and painful childhood, if you can even call it that. But mm -hmm. again, I knew that God existed, even if it was in a more intellectual way, not necessarily mm -hmm. experiential. I understand. And I, my heart goes out to you and your, um, your brother. Uh, do you still speak to your brother? I don't actually know where he is. There were a few times where we spoke. He was four years older than me. And he, when mm -hmm. he left for college, he left everybody, uh, including me. And so mm -hmm. he just went on and did whatever he needed to do. Uh, I believe he's still alive somewhere, but no, we don't, we don't have communication. And I had to really leave him in God's hands because at some point, if you're a survivor and you are trying to create that new normal, sometimes you have to really let go completely. And yeah. people don't understand that that kind of a family unit really isn't a family. You know, you're a group mm. of people. And the children are the tools and the objects by which the parents who should be loving and nurturing and should be safe are using them. I understand. Um, if I may ask, mm -hmm. uh, for our, our viewers' sake, how long do you consider that it took for you to undo the the traditional things that you had learned in your in your family um to to know that i mean of course you knew that it was a hurtful thing right but for you to know that it was something that was actually going against your human rights that's a great question i don't know if i would have understood at that time that i had any rights as a human being i knew that it was wrong and it wasn't until i went to college that i started to see how other people lived how other people my age lived and mm -hmm. and the, the good the bad the ugly as they say and so mm -hmm. I, I realized that there was a lot of the world that I didn't know. I was very intellectually ahead, but I was very emotionally behind, which complicated uh, dating, having relationships, even friendships with people because I, I didn't trust anyone and I didn't know how to share myself or how to express pain that I never wanted, any, wanted anyone to know about. So I did the classic overachiever peacemaker thing. So in terms of um, where I am now, and with relationships with marriage, a very successful marriage and successful friendships and, and, and a successful faith, probably not the best word, but a fulfilling faith. I would say that it was in my early thirties. And there was one particular reason why 
I was invited to go to a church service that was about an hour and a half away from my home at the time. And it was mm-hmm. one of those, I really don't want to go. I'm not feeling well, <laughs> but my friend was taking me and I wanted to honor that. So we went and we were a little bit late and mm-hmm. the only two seats that were available were in the first pew, right in front of the speaker. And of I'm course. Thinking, oh my <laughs> gosh, you're killing me here. <laughs> but but I sat there for the two hours and I think I probably cried the whole time. And, and she glanced at me a few times because she knew who I was, but I just didn't really have the presence. There was nowhere to run. It wasn't like I could run up on stage and head left to the bathroom or something. And here's what the amazing thing was that really changed me from having an intellectual understanding of God to a more experiential feeling and knowledge of God. Mm -hmm. After she was done praying and and she knew things as she prayed that there was somebody who had been crying out desperately to God for healing and for relief and, and things that only God would have known. And so she spoke those things. And after she was done, and people were leaving. She came down the aisle and she she sat in the pew and she took her arms around me and she embraced me and she started rocking me back and forth. And I, I had never experienced anyone touching me that way in a safe way. And I remember thinking, wow, this must be what it's like when a good mom comforts a child. Mm. And so I was 31, maybe 30 right in that area. So that was the first Mm -hmm. time I had experienced something like that. She didn't know anything about what had happened in my life till later. Um, But I was just so impacted when I left. I felt like everyone could see the light in my car, like Jesus was driving with me. And I just had this amazing (laughs) infusion of hope. You know, maybe he really did hear me. And so from that point on, then I pursued He had pursued me, obviously, my whole life, but I pursued him and I wanted to know more. I wanted the joy. I wanted the light. I had always prayed, but in a childlike way. And now I was beginning to grow. And at Mm -hmm. the time I was in a very abusive marriage. um, So it was very difficult to just cut bait and run. But it eventually happened. And then God and his goodness, of course, brought the most amazing human I've ever known into my life a few years yes. after the divorce. And we've been married for 23 years. And Ed is just a rock. He's just a great man. And he just, you know, just loved me like Isaac and Rebecca. He just loves me. Wonderful. I'm so happy that you were able to reconcile and recover mm-hmm. uh, what God has for you. Um, through purpose and and, uh, your destiny in life. So um, we're going to go ahead and scoot to our questions, if you're ready. I'm ready. You go, girl. (laughs) All right. Um, What experiences occurred for you to be so passionate about human trafficking? I know you told me um, the backstory, but some people can, you know, experience what they've experienced, recover from it, and just, you know, I guess be normal. Um, What inside of you was like, hey, I got to do more than heal myself. I want to share my passion with others. That's so true. And and thank you for redirecting that because I do want to share that. 
I believe that what happened was that I always had a heart. When I was 19, I didn't know anything about how to deal with what had happened to me. And I really didn't know how to live forward either. But what I did know was I never wanted to have a child of my own because I thought the only way I can stop mm. the evil, which as many people know, can be transgenerational. It can go from generation to generation. So I thought if I never had a baby, then no more evil could come from this this lineage and but of course at 19 there wasn't a doctor i went to that would actually take care of that so that i could never have a, a live birth so i thought okay what else can i do because my heart i saw other broken people maybe not the same way i had been but mm -hmm. i wanted so much to help others not hurt not be lost not be treated disrespectfully not be hurt uh because someone else was bigger or was a bully so th that that nature of mine kept getting stronger so after college i took a year and i thought if i go to law school right i could save a lot of people i could help mm. people that are hurt but when I went, yeah <laughs> when i went to law school guess what uh it was not what i thought it was not god's justice it was about power and money and, and this and that and so i just mm. decided that okay I'll take my law degree, I'll go back to business and then try to create some kind of success so that if I'm okay, I'll have the resources or the ability to help other people. And that's exactly what I did. And in doing that, uh, what happened is I started working with, uh, I started working with kids that were uh, not in great shape because their parents were rehabbing. And so I would help them at this halfway house. And I just knew I had to help kids. But at the time, I didn't have a plan. So right. married my ex-husband, did not have the same ideals. And of course, there was abuse involved in that. So <coughs> mm -hmm. until after we divorced that when I married Ed, uh, I had this amazing person that was supporting me, loving me. And I was very successful in business as a corporate trainer and as a mm. lot of different things. But in 2008, uh, a massive head injury changed all of that. I couldn't mm. work. I couldn't. I lost a year of memory. I was barely functioning. I knew long term things, but I couldn't remember the second before the next second. So wow. suddenly, yeah, my world changed. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? Why is this happening? And no one really understood concussions and brain injuries like massively injured brains like mine was at that time but that was the fourth of what has now become 10 brain injuries so that one was a massive one but you know sharita what god did in that time he used it to show me that my heart's desire to help other people not suffer the pain i did no matter how old but especially children 18 and under mm. that area was so great uh, a friend of mine said, Andy, what do you want to do? What do you what do you really want to do in your heart? Well, I want to help people not feel like they have no value or worth. I want them to know they do have a, a purpose and a plan and and a worth in God's eyes, but also in the world that they can be they can be whole even if they've been broken. She said, OK, yeah, let's put a website up. And I'm like, what? <laughs> she said, let's put a website up. What do you and Ed want to do? And so Ed's mom, I didn't get to meet her before she died, but her name was Beulah. And um, in the Bible, of course, Beulah, 
Beulah Land is that place kind of between heaven and earth. And I thought, well, aren't broken people and kids in between that place of, you know, broken and whole? And if they have that middle piece, (laughs) so we called it Beulah's Place and we established a very creative safe house system where we could rescue at-risk homeless teens off the street and then help them get reintegrated back into community uh, with jobs, with high school degrees or GEDs and a a future and a hope. And that's kind of how that manifested. You know, again, I had to do a lot of work. I had to go through a lot of counseling and that's not always popular in churches. At least it wasn't then, but that massive brain injury created the opportunity for me to figure out what can I do? What is my purpose? And from that point on, it just became a passion. Like, okay, one, one, one was great, but what about another victim? What about another teen? What about this person? And of course, many times when you're doing work like that, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the volunteers have also been broken or they had yes. brokenness in their family. So it oh, was necessary. It's yeah. almost necessary. Yeah, exactly. And so that's how it all kind of propagated. Yeah. All right. And so that goes right into my next question. Tell us about Beulah's Place. You began to go into it, um, the establishment of the name and what it meant to you. Um, did it, uh, does it still exist? And did it, um start with um assisting children of all uh, genders mm-hmm. so when we started in 2008 we raised money we became a 501c3 nonprofit mm-hmm. uh, it ran for 14 years because when covid happened and in oregon unfortunately the leadership of the state was not pro children's centers and things like that and even after COVID, we realized that we can no longer manage the building financially. But people were scared. They were nervous. And so we had to sell the building and our plans to have the center where young people could come like a day shelter almost, but with different programs, you know, tutoring, job skills, uh, food, uh, a bed mm-hmm. to sleep on for a while, things like that. And that was very heartbreaking. But at the end of that, those 14 years, we rescued over 300 plus teens, and that means 300 plus generations with all volunteers. We had no staff. We pretty mm. much did everything. We provided counseling, education, jobs, transportation, medical, dental, uh, just about anything, you know, legal help when needed. So all of that was provided through the community, which was amazing and grants, you know, from corporations and businesses. So when that was ending and my health was not super good at the time, uh, I have autoimmune issues. And so my organs were starting to fail again. God inspired another nonprofit called Voices Against Trafficking because he knew that door was going to close with Beulah's Place and another door had to be opened to continue the plan that he had, right, for me and for these young people. But to your, your point, yes, we accepted all kids. It didn't matter where they came from, what their preferences were. At that time, it wasn't a, as 
big an issue as it has been in the last couple of years. But either way, um, if it was a person that was hurt 18 or under or 18 to 21, actually, uh, we weren't licensed for minors, but we help the 18 to 21 year olds mostly. Uh, they're the ones that are on that brink of either replicating where they came from and what was mm -hmm. done or Indeed. possibly making a step forward if they have help or falling into the system criminally or otherwise. So we wanted to get them as legal adults and make sure that the stuff that had happened would not get in the way of them creating a new future for themselves. And we actually had 12 that had graduate have graduated university because we were able to establish scholarships for them. So from home to college graduate to career people, some of them are young moms now. It was just amazing what God did. And that was really hard. But what we're doing now is even greater because it's a greater work and with unlimited tent pegs. Gotcha. So what is Voices Against Trafficking? Tell us about that. Sure. Voices Against Trafficking is like a network of networkers. So think mm -hmm. about the hub of a wheel. That would be us. And then all of the spokes of the wheels are individuals like yourself, media members, churches, other nonprofits, legislators, healthcare professionals, any human being that wants to be part of the solution and says, add me to the roster. I add my voice. I want to be part of the solution and I'm with you. So those spokes, right? The more spokes you have, the stronger the wheel, the farther you That's can right. go, right? Yes. We want to go really far and we have some charter members who started with us and we were really blessed that we were able to launch on Capitol Hill back in 2019. We had a lot of support from uh, both sides of the fence, so to speak. But again, Voices Against Trafficking is not political. It's not religious. We don't believe in left versus right. We believe in right versus wrong because human trafficking, domestic abuse, child abuse, anything that violates a human being's rights and especially their their person is wrong on every level. Yes. And yes. it's not regardless of gender, regardless of socioeconomic status, regardless of culture, because at that point we are all human beings. That's right. So that that is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. And the whole vision that you had, um, just having it come to fruition, I'm sure it was exciting. But um, did you have any opposition? Like people who were like, yeah, Andy, what are you doing? Um, you want people to really know what's going on? And you know how you, know how you get the naysayers out there who stand in the way oh, of the yes. vision? Yes. There are always people that will look at what you're doing for whatever reason. And we, we told this to the youth we worked with, too. There's always going to be somebody who thinks that they should have what you have once you're successful or that think that you shouldn't have or shouldn't be doing. But at the yeah. end of the day, it's your choice. And so don't let them into your circle, so to speak. Well, for us, yes, we Ed and I had some death threats uh, from a couple of people that were not happy. Mm -hmm. We had women, two young girls uh, that had boyfriends or partners and for different reasons in the early days. And we just accepted that, you know, God brought this to us. God's going to protect us. We had people yeah. that tried to discredit me that out of jealousy or I don't know what, because we won grants that some other people didn't win. 
but it was just the way it was, right? That was God's favor to us. It wasn't a competition against anyone. In fact, we were very generous and we still are, even as Voices Against Trafficking, for other organizations. If we can help in any way within our, our realm of what we do, we mm -hmm. do that. We want to share, share whatever blessings we have. However, the blessings have to go to the people we serve, to the voiceless, right. to the downtrodden, to the brokenhearted, to the unsheltered, whoever yes. is in that mix. So Voices Against Trafficking is mostly propelled to do a few things. So one is awareness. We have to create greater awareness in our neighborhoods, our communities, our legislators, our, our nation, around the world. Greater awareness so people understand not only what it is, but how devastating it is. Not yes. that we show human trafficking in movies. Okay. Which is not a bad thing. It's just it's not always realistic because predators look like your librarian or your dentist or they're, they're not what you see in the movies. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So they can look totally safe. They seem like they're very nice. They know how to blend into communities, but they can be just as much a predator as any of the ones that are portrayed. So awareness and awareness brings prevention and prevention is always the best way to stop a trend or a stop a tidal wave like human trafficking. If we prevent people from becoming victims, the predators have nothing to use, right? They That's have right. no human product. After prevention, we want to inspire action, even to the poor parent out there that's stressed out. Maybe they're a single parent. They don't have money. They don't have time, but their heart is big and they want to help. So we have ways that they can do that too, even by adding their voice to our roster at voicesagainsttrafficking.com, which is just a way of saying, I'm with you. Uh, I support you. And I want my voice on that roster because when we have a million names, Sharita, guess what? We're going to be knocking on some doors and we're going to be that's able right. to uh, we have a million potential voters or we have a million potential participants in this, whatever it is. But there are people out there that are good. But the yes. good people need to know who the black hats are, who the predators are, what they're doing. That's right. Um, may, I, may I interject? I just would like for you to give our viewers a little clarity. Mm -hmm. um, people generally think that human trafficking is about sex workers. Can you give the um, definition of what human trafficking is? Because it's not always about sex workers. Um, yeah, could you do that for us? Um, yeah, people, people don't. People need to understand. You know, there's there's a there's a gray area that people don't understand. They just associate it with that and women in the That's trailers right. and you know, being sold into a situation um, just specifically for sex, but it's not just that. It's beyond that, and you're absolutely correct. So let's start with the basic Andy version of what the definition is. So human trafficking, yeah. if you coerce someone against their will or abduct them, anything, anything that's coerced, and you sell them or you use them for other purposes, which I'll define in a minute, that is trafficking. You're taking a human against their will, whether they're a child or an adult, and you're forcing them to do activities that they would not normally do, that they would not choose right. to do, they didn't ask to do. Now, right. you're right. 
the forms of human trafficking, obviously we hear about sex trafficking all the time. We're selling kids, we're selling people and what people, and, and that's true. One victim could be sold 20 to 25 times a day, whether they're 12 mm. years old or they're 20 years old. Okay. My God. The average age though is approximately 12 or 13 years for girls or boys, even though mm. we know much younger and it can even go older, but that's the right. prime. So after sex trafficking, it's for any sexual activity that you're coerced into, forced into, and controlled to do, there is labor trafficking. So mm -hmm. about some of the manufacturing companies or somebody says, well, you owe me. And so you're going to have to work it off under force. Or they just simply say, you're coming with me. They abduct you. They get you in a van with a bunch of other people and they force you to work in horrific conditions. Yes. And, and we can talk more about that because we have an article about that in our new magazine called Voices of Courage. There's a story in there of just that, of, some, of something happening, a labor trafficker in the United States mm. um, working partly with the government. So, so there's labor trafficking. And then another part of that is... Uh, it, there's another word for it, but basically debt reduction. Let's say someone in Mexico or another country pays someone to bring their children over so they have a better life. Okay, right. they think that they're going to go to America and have a, a better life or meet somebody there that will help them have a better life. Okay, we call them coyotes. Everyone talks about cartels, but uh, let's say that that uh, person can't pay. So the... Mm. The criminal is going to say, hey, well, OK, since you can't pay me, sure, I'll get your kids over the border, but you're going to owe me until that debt's paid off. OK, yeah. so and oftentimes the debt is never paid off. And more often than not, the kids never go anywhere except into a trafficking ring if they survive. My goodness. My goodness. So, so you have that. But the two more well-known would be sex trafficking and labor trafficking. And sometimes they're Correct. both. As you mentioned, like in a massage business or some other kinds of businesses like that, hotel industry, it could be both sex and labor trafficking. Mm. So we had a young gal that we have assisted in another state that actually broke free of her predator. Uh, she became pregnant. She had a child. She wanted a better life, but she was a stripper. She was a prostitute under force, under coercion. She had been recruited very young. And so she's trying to make it on uh, tips as a waitress, as a food server, and was right. not making it. And she was tempted to go back because she's like, how can I support my son? Because she didn't know anything else. She didn't have enough confidence to get uh, to feel like she could have other skills. But right. we, we interceded and it is working out. It's still hard. But she was forced to do sex and to do labor mm. by her pimp or by her trafficker, rather. And and people don't know this. They think, oh, if you're a prostitute, you chose that or some other myth. Sometimes it's not a choice. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes that's true. But most of the time there was a study a year or two ago that showed that 89 percent of female prostitutes who were uh, willing to give their stories and give the information had been mm -hmm. recruited as minor girls as young as 12. Yes. Okay, so now they're legal adults and they're in prostitution, but they didn't choose that. It's how they were groomed and they were controlled by the predators. They were controlled by the traffickers. So what do they do? And when the community shuns them, 
where do they go? They go back to what they know because that's all they, they feel they can do. That's right. So much information. We're so grateful to have you here um, on the Figures of Speech Talkcast. Um, what has Voices Against Trafficking accomplished since its inception? Well, since we started, we have produced two books and we're going to have a third one out. That's part of how we are trying to reach people. Both books are available on Amazon.com. Uh, but the one that's most pertinent right now would be Voices Against Trafficking, The Strength of Many Voices Speaking as One. So that's on Amazon.com and 45% of proceeds go to victims of both uh, child abuse and human trafficking. But more importantly, you'll find like 18 chapters, maybe five or six pages each from different people in several countries. And what those mm -hmm. chapters do, Sharita, they either tell a story, they give a perspective, or they inspire a conversation like, wow, I didn't know that, or oh gosh, I didn't think about that. And mm -hmm. we want to inspire those conversations because our age appropriate children need to know that too. Mm -hmm. So it's a great mm -hmm. handbook for schools to have, mental health, a home library. Everyone should have a copy of something like that, even if it's not ours, you know, in their home. So that, those, that was one thing. And our second edition will come out early next year. Another thing we did was we started free online forums on Facebook and YouTube. We started those right away. So every quarter we bring three to four speakers for about five to eight minutes each. And it's free on Facebook and YouTube. People can go look those up under Voices Against Trafficking to see the one mm -hmm. we just did in September. But again, you're hearing uh, how, to, how to be inspired to action or you're hearing, wow, okay, I didn't know those statistics or this is a terrible thing or the foster care or the educational or whatever the topic is, it's all related to the trauma, to the action of human trafficking, to the recovery and healing or to the impact on community. And that's what those international forums are for. So we have those twice a year uh, beginning in 2024. We had them quarterly, but we have a lot more programs we're bringing out. So we're trying to uh, balance everything. But again, those are great things. The other, uh, what happened earlier this year, uh, unexpectedly, another God thing, we launched a magazine called Voices of Courage. And okay. Voices of Courage celebrates the everyday heroes that are out there fighting for human rights, fighting for the people that have been violated, that have mm. been discarded by society, that need to have a voice that is powerful and collectively yes. or a powerful voice, but also the help that they need to address those violations. So we celebrate known and unknown heroes and we also, again, provide tools, provide awareness, provide steps, uh, actions. So our new, actually our new edition is now ready for order. Mm -hmm. It's on voicesofcourage.media, voicesofcourage.media. And people can order that now. It'll ship out in uh, three or four weeks. And we are so excited about that issue. We have an amazing woman on the cover. And I'm not going to tell you anything about it because you have to get the magazine. That's right. <laughs> I think I can go get it. Um, but for everyone else out there, it's another tool. Some people like the magazine format and ours is very high end. It's kind of a combination between a book and a magazine, but it's what we call the coffee table magazine. 
uh, laminated right. cover, heavy paper, so it's high quality, something you can pass on or share if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. So we've done that, and then we also put a billboard up in Times Square a couple years ago with a help text number, because on that particular night, we wanted anyone that was in trouble to be able to get help or to reach out if they were in danger. So, and then as we, as we go along, we have added memberships to Voices Against Trafficking. So for example, a lifetime membership for $50, that's it. No one's gonna bother you, no telemarketer is gonna call you, but it starts at $50 and then it goes to 150 and our platinum level is $1,000. Mm. Just to help, help us keep going. We have no staff at this time. You know, we hope in the future we do. Yes. <laughs> that would be really good. But for now, um, those memberships are very important to our internet, to our communications, to getting scholarships, uh, to helping rescue on a case-by-case -case basis. So mm -hmm. those memberships are located on our website at voicesagainsttrafficking.com. Okay. And then our new thing, are you ready? <laughs> mm -hmm. Our new, our new fundraiser coming out also in just another maybe two weeks, three weeks tops is a mm -hmm. CD that has been created through the help of many hands and many people that are just extraordinarily generous with donating their music, their time, their expertise. And so it's called Broken Treasures. Mm. And we are all treasures. Every life is a treasure at any stage, whether it's from consumption yes. or on the way out of this life, every life, every heartbeat matters. But a lot of us are broken or have been broken. So, That's right. bro yep, brokenness is the truth. And uh, the treasure is finding the hope that we're offering. Yes. So all of these uh, tracks are professional. And they're, like I said, there are names that people will know, like Anselm or, and the Whalers and some of the others, George Clinton. So we have a lot of different genres on that CD. And we are going to offer that as our fundraiser so that we can continue doing other programs like a specific age appropriate curriculum about being aware and staying safe. Yes. yes. And then also to actually send out active, highly skilled teams to do rescues uh, in mm. as soon as possible since we have the funding to support that. But the Broken Treasure CD is not only for us, Guess what? We are offering that CD also to nonprofits around the world or around the country. And mm -hmm. what we want to do is help them too, because that's who we are. That's we right. want to get the message out about being unsheltered, being hungry, being abused, having mental issues, mental health issues like uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. All of those issues cause brokenness and there are other issues but those are usually the main ones so we want other organizations that need to raise money so they can keep doing what they're doing we're going to give them the cd and they can de definitely uh offer it to their constituencies and to their databases and they will receive a nice percentage for every unit that they sell so it's a win-win that way the whole idea is to get out there and help the broken that's right. Um, just to let you know, um, even in the, um, I'm, I'm in North Carolina mm -hmm. and the city that I'm from is called Greensboro. They call it the gate city because it's the transportation hub of the state. Every major highway, north, south, east, west, goes through Greensboro. 
So that makes Greensboro one of the highly uh, traveled or highly uh, regarded human trafficking areas in the state um, and in the Southeast. Um, so human trafficking is not something that is, is I guess, uh, is taboo, mm -hmm. you know, but yet people um, in this area are, uh, I guess like you would experience as well. People wanna help, but they don't know exactly how to. Right. Um, how would you, if you could give someone some encouragement if they came to you and said, hey, I wanna help, mm -hmm. or I want to establish some channels in order to help people in these circumstances, what's uh, information or encouragement would you suggest to them? That's a great question. And uh, what I would start with is we have helplines and hotlines for human trafficking, child abuse, suicide awareness, alcohol and drug abuse or drug needs all on our website at voicesagainsttrafficking.com. So I would suggest mm -hmm. first put those numbers in your phone today because being prepared will help prevent. And what I mean by that is you run across something, you're not sure who to tell, who to talk to, you can call that number and in anywhere in the States, they will find help or they will help direct you as to how to report or what to, what to look for, what to, what to be aware of. So that's a, that's an easy one. The second thing is for people that want to help, uh, they can definitely go to their community, find out from the local law enforcement if if they're even doing anything about this issue. Uh, what yeah. are ways that we can be more aware? Can we bring training in? Uh, Voices Against Trafficking offers free virtual training on the mm -hmm. Be Aware Safe program. So anyone can access that or can contact us through the website and we will set that up. We're gonna do a, a big training on Monday actually, and we're gonna be able to train people in another state that run a nonprofit for domestic abuse survivors. And they wanna know more and they wanna know about trafficking. So we're combining those issues together. So use gotcha. the speakers we have. Yeah, we have a bunch of speakers on our website under charter members. And again, most of them virtually will speak for free or help out uh, in person. Of course, you know, uh, that's a different situation. There, there could be some cost, but we are here to help the community learn. Another thing to do, volunteer. We're going to need a lot of people very soon that are willing to maybe take flyers or to do um more uh, sales type thing, you know, call people say, hey, there's a CD out there and we want you to help support the program. Maybe they want to do that. Maybe they like talking to people for the people mm -hmm. that don't like talking to people. <laughs> maybe we have some other things that they can help with administratively. But uh, one of the ideas that uh, I discussed with someone very recently was uh, he said there was a large senior citizen population in his area. And I thought, well, why? Maybe they'd like to go out Christmas caroling as a fundraiser for voices, right? So there's mm. all kinds of ideas. We have a bevy of things that we can share with someone if they're interested in their yeah. area. We are full of ideas, Sharita. <laughs> Got to have a lot of innovation and witty invention Absolutely. to get the word out and um, get people involved. Because this is such a mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even buy the books. 
Yes, absolutely. The books, the magazine, the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Um, in closing, what would you like to leave us with concerning your experiences and your movement and the future of it? Um, this is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, October. So this is very fitting. Um, although, you know, women like uh, us, um, domestic violence awareness is something that's, you know, considered every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they dedicate a month to it, but people need to be aware of it consistently to be aware to yes. also not get themselves into situations that would make them become, uh, I guess, involved um, in a negative way. We want to um, have positive aspects. Could you to, could you provide us with that before sure. we, before we leave today? Sure, absolutely. One of the things is, and I always I always try to say this on each show. If you have been affected by that violence, by domestic violence, by trafficking, by sexual assault, anything, emotional abuse, mental abuse, which is is just as painful. It's just a different type of abuse. But first of all, if you've been victimized, it is not your fault. Okay. It is not your fault. Nothing you could have done could have brought that on. And I want you to know that. The second thing is having experienced the shame and the guilt and feeling like yesterday's garbage most of my early life. And like, I wasn't worth anything. You know, I want you to know that you're not alone, okay, that we are here. And then, and that one of the books, um, A Fragile Thread of Hope, about my story and some of the kids we rescued might be very helpful. But more importantly, find somebody that is a really good listener, okay? Somebody that will not judge you, somebody that will just let you be who you are, okay? And if you need help with that, that's what the numbers are for. That's what we're here for. We try and encourage that. Since it's domestic violence abuse, if you raise a hand to anyone that is more vulnerable, that is inappropriate, that is out of anger, I ask you to stop that because there are more people looking and watching now and more people that are getting encouraged to take action. So you have a choice to stop that. If you're on the edge of stress, financial stress, all the things that happen in the world today, we're a little sideways out there right now, but that is never a reason to hurt a child to hurt an animal, to hurt anybody uh, on purpose out of that anger or that frustration. So please call one of the numbers, get some help, and let's not do that. So that part is is done. But for the for the the real finish, you know, I would encourage people go to our site, get some information. We're going to have a brand new site out in a couple of weeks or sooner. But the one that's up there now has a lot of good information. And if you have questions, email me directly. You can go to contact and you can reach me through that site. But also consider a membership. Consider saying, you know what? I can give up one latte a week or something, you know, and and make an impact because I'm going to be a life member. I'm going to go on record saying I want to be part of the solution. Our memberships, all the tools we use, those go out to thousands of people and we need to support that so we can continue reaching them. One of my goals is to get the next book out to every member of Congress and 
hopefully make an impact that way, right? You can only try. But again, there are a lot of goals. We want the education program. We want to put a special kind of shelter in every state. So we need corporate mm. sponsorships. We need every person, whether it's a dollar a month. I had a lady who had a fixed income and God bless her because when we had all those kids, her $5 a month added up to $60 for the year. And that was, mm -hmm. a, that was gas for the month for one of our kids. It was groceries for a couple of weeks. I mean, we stretched nice. the penny. So there is nothing too insignificant to contribute. And if you That's don't have the dollars and you have time, find a youth shelter. Be one of those watchdogs or uh, neighborhood watch type people that just show up and kind of sit in the park and look at things and make sure the kids are, are safe. Nobody's out there trying to hurt them or show up at the basketball court or the youth center. Uh, we want more people out there because no matter how much law enforcement we have, they can't watch everything and be everywhere. But That's we right. can add our eyes and we can add our time, even an hour a week, at two hours a week. Go and be a watchdog, whether you have children or not. Indeed. Oh, man. Um, so much information and we appreciate all of it. Um, could you do me a favor and... Um, run down your uh, email address, your all of the pertinent information uh, for social media, um, even one, even a telephone number that they could catch and, and start and start their process if they need the help or if they want to assist. Okay, that would be awesome. We appreciate that. So the, the website is voicesagainsttrafficking.com. Where you buy the magazine is voicesofcourage.media. And through the website, you can interact with us by email very easily. So feel free to do that. And then we figure out the rest of it. Uh, my phone number, since pretty much everyone else has it, is 541-788-9639. But what I would ask is that there are no gritty descriptions, that there is nothing that would also set off my PTSD, that you simply leave a name, number, and a brief message, and myself or someone else will get back to you if you're going to call. And same mm -hmm. applies to texting. Now, as far as social media, we are on LinkedIn, we are on Facebook, Instagram, we're on YouTube. So we have that part of social media. Just look up Voices Against Trafficking. And I think we're on Twitter. Uh, clearly, I'm not a techno, so I don't really use those very much. But um, I've been uh, learning Messenger lately. <laughs> but it's all good. So I just want you to know there's lots of ways to reach out to us. And I really hope that you'll look up some of those programs under Voices Against Trafficking, get more information. If your church wants to do a fundraiser, if your corporation wants to do a fundraiser, we have a lot of programs that we can bring to you that would be very easy and very simple to do. If you're a social group, a rotary group, a Kiwanis group, a women's league of, of anything, we would love to have you do fundraisers for us because we are national and international and we have a lot of needs. We are working with a couple of people that we've rescued lately and we need help. So that's right. Yeah, absolutely. You are not too old and you're not too young to be part of the solution to human trafficking and domestic violence. And with that, 
thank you so much, Mrs. Berger, for coming on to the Figures of Speech Talkcast to give us more information and background on Voices Against Trafficking. Um, we just uh, pray that you continue to have the strength <clears throat> and um, ability to do this work because it's so important. And it's uh, trailblazers like you that make it all possible for people to be able to come to reality about their lives um, and to assist others. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sharita. You've been a wonderful host, and I hope that your audience will really take to heart what we've talked about today. I yes. appreciate it. I'm so honored to be on the show, and I really hope that today somebody feels more hopeful and more hope-filled because of what they've learned. Thank you so much, Mrs. Berger. This has been Andy Berger, the founder of Voices Against Trafficking, and I'm Sharita C.W. Dela Cruz. Um, Thanks for tuning in. Oh, make sure you subscribe to uh, the Figures of Speech Talkcast on Blast Music 24-7 on YouTube. Thank you. You can steal my pictures Try and use my name Acting conscious like me But you'll never be the same Looking in the mirror Not liking what you see Why would you sit here And lose your identity So go And waste your day Throw all your time away you'll never get too far no one will hear what you say it's so sad to see you waste your energy instead of being you you try to be like me try to be like me 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 try to be like me You try to be like me, me, me Try to be like me You're looking so dumb And acting such a fool I would have lifted you up Instead you have no clue Looking in the mirror Not liking what you see Why would you sit here and lose your identity? So go and waste your day, throw all your time away You'll never get too far No one will hear what you say It's so sad to see you waste your energy Instead of being you You try to be like me Try to be like me, me, me Try to be like me You try to be like me, me, me Try to be like me Try to be like me, 
me, me, try to be like me. You try to be like me, 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 try to be like me.